This episode of the Disney Film Project is sponsored by TouringPlans.com. Head over to TouringPlans.com and use their tools to save yourself time and money when you are at Walt Disney World or Disneyland. You can use the Lines application on your mobile phone, use the Crowd Calendar to figure out which parks to hit which days, or use the Touring Plans to save time and money waiting in line. TouringPlans.com is the sponsor of this episode of the Disney Film Project. Welcome again, everybody, to the Disney Film Project podcast. This is the show where we talk about the films of the Walt Disney Company, past and present, old and new, TV and cinema. It does not matter. We love Disney movies, and we talk about them here each and every week. And we are glad you've decided to join us yet again. I'm Ryan Kilpatrick, and along with these folks, we run DisneyFilmProject.com, where you can find notes about this podcast you can find reviews of new blu-rays and dvds and reviews of old shorts and all kinds of disney move movie news and extravaganzas so make sure you check that out over at disneyfilmproject.com joining me as always we have called upon movie buffs from around the world and none of them showed up so we have mr todd perlmutter who is a blogger at touringplans.com he is Chief Technical Officer at DisneyDrivenLife.com. He works at OnTheGo in MCO.com, and he is also the inventor of the Endless Generator, which will make more sense once we talk about this movie. Do you mind if I dribble during this podcast? Not at all. <laughs> I just want to That's perfectly fair. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. It keeps the generator going. Okay. That's, uh, that's important, as we will, we will discover. Normally, we are... We're also joined by Miss Brianna Alessio, who you can find over at Adventures of Brie at adventuresofbrie.blogspot.com. She was otherwise indisposed today, but she will be rejoining us in future episodes. Of course, we are also joined by Miss Cheryl Perlmutter, who does all of the editing, scheduling, recording, wrangling, and general organization of this program, which means that without her, we probably would not exist. So drop her a line and say thank you over at about.me slash Cheryl P3 or at Cheryl P3. How are you, Cheryl? Doing good. I know you've been looking forward to this episode, I think, since episode one. Am I correct? <laughs> ever since we did the Dizzy Holidays episode, yes. And on such a momentous occasion, uh, we, we always look for, for folks to join us for special episodes, and, and today is no different. We have joining us from Twitter and, and just general Disney fandom. You might know her as Delphinius18 on Twitter. Teresa Scheingold. Teresa, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us. We are quite excited. I'm telling you right now, Cheryl has been looking forward to this for like two years. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I, I When I heard your holiday uh, uh, episode last year, I was like, oh, we have to do Full Court Miracle. I love this movie. Also joining us today, we have Mr. Aaron Rittmaster of the Diz Dads podcast, proprietor over at DizDads.com. Go check that show and site out when you get a chance. It is well worth a listen. How are you today, Aaron? I'm doing great, Ryan. And, uh, you know, I'm really excited to do this uh, podcast because I don't think you realize this when you asked me to, to join you on this one. But although I didn't play uh, Jewish day school basketball, I, I did play uh, Jewish travel team basketball for the Jewish Community Center uh, all through high school. So fabulous. So, so you very personal really watching us- this film. That's right. You can give us a good breakdown of the basketball moves. 
is what you're saying. Uh, may, perhaps. Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to count on you for that. All right, folks. So, as I said, Cheryl's been waiting for it. She sent me an iTunes gift card last year so that I could buy the movie. She was so excited. It's been almost a year. But we're celebrating Hanukkah with Full Court Miracle, the Disney Channel original movie. Loosely based, I would say, on a true story. Very loosely. Yes, uh, it is very loosely, is, is, is a good way to put it, based on the true story of uh, University of Virginia basketball player Lamont Carr. I have read uh, on various and sundry websites uh, him described as University of Virginia basketball star. Uh, that is, I would say, somewhat inaccurate. Yeah, <laughs> his, his – uh... The point is he was the first black basketball player to graduate from the University of Virginia. That's really what he's famous for. Yeah. Um, like Ryan said, if you're looking for this movie, it's on iTunes. Also, they tend to show it during Hanukkah, sometimes at 3 a.m., so you may have to schedule a DVR for that one. <laughs> but and, um, and you can usually find it on Disney Channel during the month of December. Hey, Cheryl, if I can add one thing, if you're searching for this movie on iTunes, um, one trick, because it threw me off when I did the search, at least when you search for it, if you're using like Apple TV, which is what I was doing, um, the movie's title is hyphenated, and if you don't search for full hyphen court, it won't come up in the search. <laughs> no, that is a very good tip. Can, is, you, uh... do, can you search by actor? Uh, you probably could search by actor. Okay. I didn't know at the time to okay. search by a particular okay. actor. Okay. Yes. So d- Lamont Carr uh, is is quote unquote the the story. This is a biography of him. However, he's not really the main character in the movie. He's one of the main characters. Uh, the the other main characters are based on some other folks who are not quite as famous as, as Lamont Carr. But uh, Lamont Carr did indeed uh, go on from the University of Virginia to coach at a Jewish basketball school in Boca Raton, Florida, uh, not in Philadelphia, as the movie says. Yes. Also, like 20 years after he graduated, not like it seems like five years if you follow the way the movie is written. (laughs) Yes. In addition to all of those things, he also uh, trained at the FBI Academy in Quantico, um, he worked for the William Morris Agency in Los Angeles, uh, worked in a restaurant part-time, and uh, t- tried to promote darts as a sport. So he, had, he, did a, he was a very busy man, Mr. Carr. Yeah. A, 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 a renaissance man, perhaps. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, I, you know, he's, <laughs> it's, just, it's just like his – you know, if you're looking for this to be historically accurate as to his life, it's not. It's just like no. the essence of his life in it, so – I think that's no, the way it, it. Yeah, it, it's it's a Disney Channel movie, so set your expectations accordingly as far as you know historical accuracy. Yeah, I I also want to comment. I think uh, to me overall in the movie, he's not so much of a character as he's kind of sort of the MacGuffin for the kids. Yeah, that's pretty fair. They try to they do try to give him a story arc, uh, but it's it's kind of uh, secondary to what the kids are going through. Yeah, it's a little weak. Yeah, although I, I will say that um, 
you know, apropos to to the reality of the situation, um, when I played Jewish Community Center basketball, we used to play against the um, Memphis JCC, and the Memphis JCC had a long-standing relationship with uh, Memphis State University. There, uh, the Memphis State used to use their facilities as a practice court, and so um, they frequently had as a coach a former Memphis State player who was still in the area. Um, when, I was, when I was playing, their coach was uh, best known as the point guard that preceded Andre Turner, who was much more famous. Um, but his name was Otis Jackson, and he was the, the coach of the Memphis JCC basketball team. It was you know, almost a similar kind of story where you know, these guys who didn't, wouldn't otherwise have any connection to the Jewish community uh, you know, were coaching the Jewish Community Center basketball team. Very cool. That's nice. That's nice to hear about. You don't you don't hear a lot of of uh, nice stories about Memphis basketball. <laughs> knowing that my my wife is my wife is from that area, you don't hear a lot of um, nice things that happen. This is true Memphis. too. Yes. So that's good. 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 Oh, Aaron, thank you. All right. Uh, so as we mentioned, Full Court Miracle, a Disney Channel original movie from back in two thousand and three. As Cheryl said, it's run several times since then on Disney Channel around the Hanukkah season. Uh, and it is, as, as we said, loosely based on Lamont Carr, also loosely based on the story of Hanukkah. And again, I think the term very loosely would be accurate here. Yeah. So the, the movie tells the story of Alex Schlotsky. He's, he's the main character character and he is uh, attending philadelphia hebrew academy and plays on the basketball team and the basketball team is not very good to put it mildly yeah, <laughs> yeah they uh they're no they uh, i read it i read one review that said yes the team is uh, really good at kickball <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's that's fairly accurate yeah, because the, the movie opens with shots of them basically getting destroyed by the Warriors, who's who's another team in the league. Uh, they they just keep you know they're they're getting crushed in their basketball game, uh, and we we see the kids at school and all the things that they're going through, and basically the kids are much more concerned about their studies than about basketball. Uh, they they mainly it seems play basketball just for the fun of it. Uh, although Alex is extremely serious about ba- basketball, even carries a basketball through the halls, uh, which gets him in trouble repeatedly throughout the movie. Well, and I think one of the things too, it, it wasn't just their lack of skill at the beginning of the movie that was so glaring. It was that you had Alex who was really passionate about the game, and everybody else who just sort of was dragged onto the court because they were friends of Alex's. It seemed. Yeah, very true. Yeah. Well, maybe they got extracurricular credit. That the yeah, thing. I mean, that could be too. Yeah, that would make sense. They also lack teamwork because Alex hogged the ball. I mean, that's very – that is something that's very, you know, brought up several times throughout the movie. Yep. Yes, they do because because they don't – he doesn't feel like the other players are very good, which is accurate to be fair to Alex. Uh, so he he tends to take all the shots himself. Does not pass very much, uh, and even his his friends get on to him for this, as you said many times throughout the movie. But the problem is is that there is a tournament coming up, the Liberty Tournament, uh, between all the different schools in Philadelphia, 
And Alex really wants to win this tournament. He wants to, to make the kids on the Warriors hush because they've been taunting him. Uh, and But he, he can't figure out how he's going to do it with the collection of kids that he has. Uh, because they are coached by Mr. Sipowitz, whose coaching basically consists of him doing some sort of arcane math and, and then singing a song, basically, in the first part of the movie. And grading papers during the game, <laughs> which was... Uh, pretty pretty sad. Yes. Yeah, and when he was encouraged to coach us, coach, his response was to cheer, <laughs> which the rabbi makes fun of. I found <laughs> really funny. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he's, I I see he's got his victory song going. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep. Uh, so they have to figure out a way to, or Alex at least wants to figure out a way to to make the team win. And even when he goes home. He, he's not getting any support from his friends. They're like, we're not going to win. We're not very good. And he, even when he goes home, his dad wants to hear all about the basketball game. And his dad was at the game. But his mother is not that interested. His mother is a doctor and is at a hospital and basically wants Alex to follow in her footsteps. And she's not all that concerned with him and, and his basketball dreams. Because you know, he wants to play pro basketball. And she, being realistic, is saying, you know, that's, that's not very likely. You should follow in my footsteps and be a doctor and give up this whole basketball nonsense. Yeah. Which, for a Jewish mom, you know, we want all of our kids to be doctors and lawyers, you know? <laughs> <laughs> hey, fair enough. Why not? But... The issue that, that arises is one of, you know, they don't have anybody to teach them. Uh, and they're in where they start to get some inspiration is they're in school after all the basketball games. And the, the rabbi, the aforementioned rabbi, is teaching them the story of Hanukkah, which is the story of Judah Maccabee. Any, any of you more expert folk like to, like to relay the story? Oh, you mean us Jews? <laughs> As as an Irishman, I don't really feel qualified. I'm just saying. I mean, I, I can certainly do it unless somebody else wants to pick it up. I can do it very quickly, too. Go ahead. Go ahead, Todd. All right. it, uh, it's important to note that, first of all, Hanukkah, while being a Jewish holiday, is not a scripture-based holiday, so it's not considered one of the major-based holidays in Judaism. Okay? That's an important note because I, I figure from the coming from a point of view of Christmas, where Christmas is a big holiday – um, Hanukkah is a holiday. Okay, right, uh, that's that's just an important note. Uh, the present thing is only come on as presents came into Christmas as well, because remember that's all a twentieth both for both religions. Ho- both holidays that's a twentieth century thing. Indeed. So, yes. The, um, Christmas. There, there's two types of Christmas. I, I will say from again from the Irish Christian perspective. There's. There's the holy Christmas and there's the secular Christmas and the two have somehow sort of merged together. Okay. Yeah, I. I believe you. Just like you're about to, <laughs> just just like you're about to believe what I'm going to tell you. Indeed, sir. <laughs> uh, so um, this is based story of Judah Maccabee, which is covered in the book of Maccabees. Right? It's like a whole separate book. Like I said, it's not part of the core scripture. Um, and uh, the idea is that the, you had the Greeks, and they were, you know, taking over the world, okay? And uh, Alexander the Great passed on, and then uh, he was followed on by various guys named Antiochus, 
or Antiochus or however you want to pronounce that. That's how I pronounce it. And uh, he was the fourth Antiochus, right? Four, four reigns. And um, basically what happened is, is that uh, his whole purpose was he decided that, you know what, these Jews, we don't want them anymore. We want them to be part of our culture, so we're going to subjugate them. We're going to make them do things like eat pork. And I say that not as a joke. I mean that's one of the big things. He actually made them sacrifice pigs in the temple, which was as much a no-no as eating pork is. Okay, this is the temple in Jerusalem. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, what happened was is um, a few families got together, one of them being the Maccabees. Okay. And they came in and they led by – first by the father, Mattias. I can never pronounce that. It's like long and they say it in the movie. They say it way better than I can say it. Uh, <laughs> and, there's, and so they have an initial revolt and uh, Mattias dies. And so Judah Matthias. takes over. Mattathias. Mattathias. Thank you. That, fit, that works. See, I'm really bad at it. <laughs> um, and so they have an initial revolt and he dies. And so Judah takes over the family and takes over the armies, and he comes up with all these clever ploys because he's a really smart strategist. He was the old, you know, he was the, was he the eldest son or the middle son? Mattathias is the eldest. eldest. Well, he was the, he's their father. Well, I'm sorry, um, Judah is the eldest. Right, Judah is the eldest. Okay, fine. So he takes over, and he's a master strategist. You know, he comes up with this whole way of, you know, doing uh, various things to throw off the Greeks, one of which is mentioned in the movie, the thing about the right turns and tunnels. You know, really clever when you think about it, but not something that you necessarily think about unless somebody tells you, okay? Also, the best way to solve a maze, but that's a different story. <laughs> um, I'm going to remember that. <laughs> yeah, you only take one type of turn, and you can always solve a maze. Never mix a match. Um, I'm writing that down. All right, yeah. go ahead. Sorry. Okay, sorry. It's good. It's good. It's all good. Um, so what happened was is eventually uh, one thing leads to another, and they end up taking over the temple in Jer and Jerusalem again. They take it back. Um, this is – and they go to re-consecrate the temple because it's been desecrated. Remember I said they were doing things like burning pigs in it. And so they do that, but then when they go to light the menorah, which has to burn every night at temple all night, okay – uh, they find that they only have enough oil to last one night, so begrudgingly they light it anyway, and it ends up that one the oil for one night ends up burning for eight eight nights eight, and the days and intervening days, and so that's how the holiday comes to be, more or less. Which which allows them time to go and retrieve more consecrated oil so that they can refill it. Correct. Press those olives. <laughs> yes. So that's. Uh, a, a much abridged version of that is what the rabbi teaches to the kids in in the movie. And I have to say, we were talking about this before we jumped on. I, I was familiar with the general outlines of what you what you just relayed, not some of the details. But I think they do a very good job of presenting it in a way that makes you understand what the holiday is about and what the story of Judah Maccabee is about without getting into too much detail. Like if you're if you are not if, if you are like me, not Jewish but you appreciate everything that, that they're talking about, you can go right through it and not have to worry about you know, the Greeks and all that kind of stuff. You just know that you know, Judah Maccabee was a great leader and he was in charge of, of, the, of the Jews in this particular time frame and, and the story of the lights and the menorah is pretty much all you, you get in this particular telling. One of the things I liked though is that they got some of the more interesting details sort of blended into the story you know, as the movie progressed, like they worked some of it into their um, 
beginning the relationship with the coach and and as things went on they kind of you know sprinkled more of the detail throughout which was kind of nice yeah that's absolutely my favorite part is the, the intertwining and the the teaching that way that was you know for my kids my boys which were 12 and 8 at the time the movie came out that was just awesome it was it was great May I say they handled the kosher thing really well? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> because, that, I mean, that, that scene, um, you know, because for me, because I, I convert, as everyone knows, I, as, if you didn't know, I converted into Judaism. And I didn't keep kosher until after I converted. And after I joined an organization called Hadassah, so which, we run, which runs hospitals in Israel. And also does other things as well as advocacy for in in the United States for health issues and women's issues and stuff like yes. that. So um, I didn't actually know about kosher until I joined Hadassah, because even because with with the Jewish organization that they have to assume the strictest person is coming to the event. So every every every. Every meal that you go to at an event is kosher. Yes. Oh, yes. interesting. Well, now, if we're so, going to talk about that scene, though, are we going to talk about that scene, or you want to yeah. wait till we get there? Oh, well, let's wait till we get there. But I just want to say they handle it really. They handle it really well. Okay. Yes, I agree with that. <laughs> Yes, I think, like I said, you don't. It, it's a great. It's. I, I love to hear this from you guys because it's great. Like for me, I didn't pick up on a ton of this stuff, but I like the fact um, when when they set out to to create a movie like this that it's accessible to everyone. It's not just you know here's this or that or the other. It's you know if you guys are picking up on all these great little subtleties, and I'm just enjoying it as a regular you know just a, a normal Disney Channel movie. But if if I go dig deeper and start reading more, then I get more out of it. I really love it when movies do it do, do it that way. But right now you so, know it's I go can't have, go have an ice cream after a hamburger now. <laughs> yes, I, well that part I already know. That part I did know, but you know. The thing but is, it, I love really that they nice. got it. Yeah, I, I I love that they got it accurate. I mean, you know. It's one thing to sprinkle these kinds of things in and their subtleties and and maybe only people who already are familiar with it pick up on them. But I really I appreciated that they bothered to get it accurate because so many times they just don't. Um, And it drives me crazy because then it creates assumptions in people who who, you know, aren't Jewish that are are incorrect and they think it's correct because they saw it in a movie or on a TV show. And so, uh, you know, it it wasn't a major plot point. It wasn't particularly important, but they thought it was important enough to be accurate about it. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great point. And they could have easily left that scene out. Yeah. 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 You're right. They could have have just told a totally dairy dinner. And then we would have never had to deal with the whole kosher issue. (laughs) <laughs> right. No, instead we got awkward stereotypical Jew food items. Sorry, I just I just figured if nobody else was going to say that, I sure would. Well, that's what I was that's what I was saying. Do we want to wait till we get to the scene? No, because can, I don't. We're already talking about it, so let's. <laughs> okay, okay, all right, yeah, go for it. Because because I don't know anybody, and I you know I've I've been uh, lived a lot of places and not been not home for Hanukkah dinners and visited other people's Hanukkah dinners and um. <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't know anybody who on a regular Shabbat meal or for Hanukkah has um, gefilte fish and chopped liver. Yeah, I, I agree. Chopped liver was something I only ever got at grandma's house. <laughs> and, and, and it tended to be like a Passover thing. Right, and gefil- well, right. gefilte fish is Passover fish is related. Passover only. Yeah. But, well, okay, here's where I'm going to differ because unlike you guys, I hang out with a lot of, um, I'll use, I don't know what, what the word, what the politically correct word is, so I'm just going to say elderly. <laughs> um, elderly, elderly women, because that's what my organization's Ladies. mostly made out of. And so I have visited people's houses for lunches and and stuff. And, like, I've got, one, one woman makes a, a vegan chopped liver. It's a vegetarian chopped liver, folks, really. That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> okay. And so there is stuff like, so you go to these lunches, and there is not really gefilte fish. I agree with the gefilte fish. You you normally see at the supermarket during Passover, and, and, during during Hanukkah in the flyers. <laughs> like it's in the advertisements. It's, we and, have gefilte and, fish for, for, for Hanukkah. But, um, but chopped liver, I do see a lot in people's houses. Oh, absolutely. I mean, anytime we would go see uh, Phil's grandmother down in Miami Beach, um, she had chopped liver for us and grape, half a grapefruit and, <laughs> you know. Oh, my gosh. I forgot the half a grapefruit <laughs> thing. With sweet and low, right? Not oh, sugar. absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, do you see there's a Jew trend? What I'm seeing is that I'm quite happy that I have not eaten these meals. <laughs> Actually, gefilte fish isn't so bad if you get the frozen one. Yeah, if if you don't yes. actually buy the stuff in the glass jar that Manischewitz makes, it's especially the stuff in gel. Oh my gosh, that yeah. that just sounds horrible. But um, yeah. I had I give up. That was that was that was one of the last things I gave up was gefilte fish. Because I went vegan. <laughs> oh. It's hard to do a vegan gefilte fish. Yeah, I'm gonna see yeah, if I can just, find them. That seemed difficult. Yeah, I can make something. <laughs> I think we tofu. did, didn't we? I think we did make it. Not this past past over. You just ate a lot of harosit. <laughs> I know we did vegan. Oh, I think maybe we did vegan chopped liver. I forget what, what we did. We did the vegan chopped liver. You're right. We did do the vegan chopped liver. From yes, your because because again, I got the recipe from. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. And enough right, food well, talk. I'm really hungry now. Say, yeah, let's 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 get the movie <laughs> over with so Todd can go work on some vegan gefilte fish. If anybody can do it, Todd, you can. That's what I'm saying. All right. Okay. So the kids are trying to figure out a way to to win the basketball tournament, and they're in. Alex, in particular, is inspired by the story of Judah Maccabee. Right. He even while the story is being told by the rabbi, envisions himself and his team as the Jews and uh, the Warriors team as the Greeks, like meeting on the basketball court instead of the field of battle, or maybe the basketball court as the field of battle. I'm not really sure which. Yeah. So, so they are outside, and I will use the term very, very loosely, practicing, <laughs> when right next to them they see a an African-American gentleman who, like Todd said, looks like he's about five years out of college, uh, practicing on the court next to him, and he's just you know draining shot after shot after shot. And Alex gets the crazy idea that maybe he can help them, so he goes over to 
rebound for the guy and tries to get some information out of him and, and is not able to do so. He can't figure out, you know, who the guy is or, or, or what, what his deal is. The guy just, you know, Alex threatens to hold the ball until he tells him what's going on and uh, the guy takes the ball and, and leaves. He literally takes his ball, and, ball goes and goes home. home. Yeah. But they are able to see his license plate uh, as as they leave, would someone like to explain the license plate and significance thereof? <laughs> I'm gonna let one of our guests do it. That's fine. <laughs> Did they remember? Uh, uh, it was the initials. What were the initials? Oh, that's right. Uh, it's uh, JM one sixty five. One sixty five. Yeah. Which um, you know, for for the basketball player, presumably. Uh, you know, stood for, uh, you know, uh, what was it, JAM, and then I forget what the 165 was supposed to stand for. That's uh, uh, BCE, the year of... Well, that's what it, it is in... Um, oh, right. That's how they, the kids interpret it as the JM-165 standing for uh, Judah Maccabee, and then 165, which is the year of the, the Maccabee uprising. Um, but... For the basketball player, the JM was JAM, and then I'm not sure what the 165 was supposed to stand for. I don't remember now. I, did they even say in the movie? I just figured it was uh, his. Yeah. Re- I figured it's high enough that it's probably like his rebound count since he only played like two seasons. Yeah, something like that probably, or <laughs> points scored Could or, be, or yeah. something along those lines. But yeah, I mean, the, the kids sort of reinterpret it to fit their mythology, and, and I love how that plays out. There's you know a number of those incidents. Uh, in the next sort of five minutes or so of film. Right, yeah. because the rabbi said, you'll ne- you never know when you're going to find your Judah Maccabee. And, and then all of a sudden they started looking, and all these signs started pointing to uh, Lamont. That's right. Yeah, so they, they, are, they managed to look him up on the internet and find his, his license plate because it's a custom plate plate and so they go but when they go back the next day they know that his name is lamont Carr and that he played at the university of virginia so alex of course is all about trying to get him to uh to coach them and so he approaches the guy the way he did the day before and says hey this is my team over here and we're practicing and lamont in one of my favorite moments says you have my sympathies (laughs) (laughs) and he manages to talk Lamont into coaching them if he will pay them. He'll pay them twenty, pay him twenty dollars beforehand and twenty dollars at the end of practice, right? So they set up the deal where he will come over and practice them. And what Lamont does is, rather than run them through basketball plays, he starts trying to get them conditioning and running seventeen fifty fives, which is running from one side of the court to the other uh, and trying to keep them in shape, which looks horrifying. Every single basketball movie does this. Every single oh. basketball movie. And, and can I say, from true. having played basketball, it's real. That's the way you start. You have to. And, and one of the things I liked about it was that you could see 
and and they played it properly in the film. You know, you could see that those agility drills that he made them do at the outset before he even put a ball in their hands made a difference in the way that they played. You know, the they made the comment um, early on that you know one of the kids after running the 1755s and they were complaining about how he was wearing them out, and they one of them finally said, "Well, yeah, but now I forget which one. One of the players can actually make it all the way down court." Um, yes. You know, it makes a difference in how competitive you can be when all your players can actually get back on defense. Um, and the the footwork drills he does with them uh, to prepare them to play defense, you know, make a huge difference. All of a sudden, they can actually play defense, and that becomes very important at the end of the movie. Yes, it absolutely does. No, you're right. I, I did not play basketball, but I, I knew enough people who did. And yes, this is the first thing. Like first day of practice, you're running back and forth across the court doing wind sprints so you can get your conditioning in shape. So unfortunately, though, the people who do not appreciate it are the other kids, because as Alex says, they st- are starting to hate basketball after a while. So he has to convince Lamont to ease up a little bit and let them do some basketball drills. And so as he's paying Lamont this money, uh, and the other kids are paying, getting money from their parents to pay Lamont. Uh, he ha- he has him ease up a little bit, and Lamont starts to be a little more informal with the kids. He at first he had just been blowing his whistle and you know telling them to run back and forth and kind of going through the motions basically. And he starts to loosen up a bit, starts calling them his dogs and all this kind of stuff. It, and again, very funny part because one of the kids says, well, we're, if we're paying you, you shouldn't be insulting us. And he has to explain he's not <laughs> insulting them. <laughs> yes. Um, Very amusing. Yeah. Also, his, his van breaks down, so the kids all try to sell coffee on the side to make money for his van. Yes. Which I think yeah, they that's... successfully make enough money for his van because later on his van is running. Yes, that's right. They never really yeah. – they, well, they never really say that, right? They just kind of gloss over that whole subplot at some point. Yeah, they they there's a whole lot of um, subplots in the movie. So like at the same time, there's the whole thing about Alex and Alex's mom gets him an appointment to go uh, do rounds with another uh, doctor in the hospital that she's at, and he convinces his friend Julie to do the rounds for him. Which I'm thinking the doctor would notice that Julie is not a young boy. <laughs> Alex is a unisex name. <laughs> True. I'm just thinking his mom might have said something to the other doctor based on her other actions throughout the movie. Or the fact that they work in the same hospital. Yeah. I'm just, you know. Yeah. The, the, the internal consistency is not there because, I mean, to be honest, they're focused mainly on the forward plot of the kids, which is what they should do. Right. That's, that's the important piece, and the rest of it's kind of, you know, set dressing to get it to a, a, longer, a longer movie. Um, but but it's good. I mean, it's 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 well done at least. Right. It's also going in a two-hour slot on Disney Channel, so it's you know it's limited to like you know an an you know an hour and thirty-five minutes, and because of yep. commercials and stuff like that. So well, and and I'll give them credit. I mean, it's a ninety-minute movie, and we have seen other Disney Channel films where the editing has been really sloppy, and you get you know important plot points that get dropped as opposed to side points, and. I really felt like they did a nice job of fitting this into that, you know, 90 minute slot and the the those side plots were there for sort of richness and and complexity, but when they dropped, you didn't really feel like you lost anything in the story of the film. Yep, I agree. Yeah. One thing I really like about the film too is that the kids 
the, the you know the group of boys that are on the team, their interactions, the conversations they have, they're very real for kids. I mean, I know they're not really how kids talk necessarily, but very much not. Yes, <laughs> but because they they do kind of have some you know adult tints on a lot of their lines, but. It, it's not like anything that they're saying to each other or how they're ribbing each other is um, unbelievable, which in a lot of other movies, like when adults write lines for kids, it's, it tends to have an unbelievable taint to it. Yeah. I didn't get that in this movie, so. No. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, so the story, they, they start to get some of the story, too, behind Lamont because um, he they find out that the reason why he is in town is because he's, you know, he used to play at the University of Virginia, and he is there to try out for the Philadelphia 76ers. Now, this was the part for, for me as, as a sports person I found extremely weird because you wouldn't just go to town and hope to hook on with the Sixers because you're nearby. Ryan, I think that's more true now, though. I mean, they, if you remember in the movie, they talk about how he had done a stint in the CBA. Yeah. Um, and, and back in the days of the CBA, it was not entirely uncommon for NBA teams to sign guys to, you know, 10-day contracts to well, come in. It still isn't. It's still right. But it's not just like who's down the street is what I'm saying. Well, no, but, but now he, they've. But that's because a, now they have the developmental league, which they didn't have then. And a lot of times it was a matter of who could get in pra- into practice, who was there available, because a lot of times the reason they signed these guys is not because they expected them to play, but, but because they needed bodies for practice. Right, and he had a, a friend, he had a connection that got him the, you know, the, the tryout. So right, he, right. there was something there that there was a reason for him to be there. The point is that, that in the sort of basketball reality of the movie, um, it wasn't that uncommon. It, it wasn't until the the developmental league came along that they were more formal about those fill-ins. But yeah, so Lamont is in town to to try and hook on with the 76ers. And um, he the, the arrangement that they have is basically that he'll coach them on this, this outdoor playground, but he can't actually go and coach them – in games, right? Because he's not an official coach. He doesn't really want to do that. He just wants to give them this time and you know spend the rest of the time working on his game. Um, unfortunately, after Alex skips out on the rounds with the doctor, his mom starts getting suspicious. Um, other people start getting suspicious as they see the basketball team, uh, you know, preparing a little better and those sorts of things. And people start to figure out that there's something else going on uh, with the Lions basketball team besides just general preparation and Alex being, being that good. So they start sniffing around to find out what's going on. And it's, it's Mrs. Klein, who is the school's principal, who, who definitely has, a, has questions as well as uh, Alex's mother. And so they have to, and this is part of where we got to before, between Alex is trying to, they all think that Lamont is the ghost of Judah Maccabee to a degree, at least they right. believe this. Uh, and so, they have to bring him sort of into the fold and meet the rabbi, meet Mrs. Klein, meet his parents, uh, and he ends up getting invited to dinner at the rabbi's house in order to uh, kind of be brought into the fold and be quote-unquote official as their coach so that they're not coaching him. He's not coaching them out on the streets anymore. 
Well, I, I'm not even, I mean, I got the feeling it wasn't so much a done deal either. I mean, it no, was a matter of, we need, we need to, it was almost a job interview. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they brought him in basically to grill him, uh, which led to the dinner scene we were talking about earlier. Yeah. It, it, Cause later on in the movie, they start to imply that the mother is like on the board for the school and stuff yeah. like that. And they don't actually, really, yeah. Well, they mentioned it early on cause yeah. they say something about when they go to the, principal early and complain about their coach um the principal says something about you know you should know your mom's on the budget committee or something along those oh lines. i never yeah. i i didn't even yeah. catch that okay yeah. fine <laughs> <laughs> yes they do they do do that uh but that, that and that's why his mom has to be at the dinner because they have to introduce lamont to her because she's got to sign off as well as the rabbi has to sign off uh, and it's the rabbi actually who comes up with the idea that, you know, rather than coaching them on the street, he should coach them in the school gym, uh, which Alex's mom is not too pleased with because she thinks that Alex is going to spend more time thinking and worrying about basketball than his studies, which she's not wrong about, I might add. Right. Well, he he also is not too into it because he feels like it would interfere with, with his goals. So he kind of turns it down, and then the rabbi kind of says, well, "Why don't we just do it all provisionally?" Yeah, one day contract. You know, you're there. You're there week by week or whatever. And you know, when you get signed by the Sixers, then you can you can leave, which is an important plot point. Hmm. But that leads to them, you know, they, they're, they're coaching at the school, Lamont gets an office, and Mrs. Klein buys in to a degree. She's not exactly thrilled about it, and she keeps wondering what's going on with him. And Alex does the same because he sees um, Lamont drive off in his van every day, but he doesn't know where he's going, and they don't really know anything about him. So one day Alex follows him and finds out that Lamont actually lives in his van. And this is problematic. Yes. Yes. Very. Yes. Also, the also he sits and has dinner with Lamont, and like I doesn't call his parents or anything like that. Yes, under an overpass, no less. I just found that whole scene a little awkward. Um, I found a lot awkward about it. Yes. Well, you yeah. feel empathy though for him, and and there's you know in the Jewish faith. We want to, we want to help heal. We want to help um, people who are homeless. We want to help people who need food. And it, and it, I thought it brought an empathy and a and a and a closeness be, between the two that I I thought was all right. And it did make some of the coaches uh, sort of. Uh, reticence to talk about himself and and the things that you know his family and all that he didn't seem to like to talk about those things and it made that make more sense there was you know there other than otherwise there wouldn't have been much logic to him you know being so so sort of cryptically private i agree yeah so lamont is official and it's a problem that he doesn't have an address right because he has to fill out a, an application to be hired and all that kind of stuff. And Mrs. Klein asked him for his address, and he doesn't have one. So he has to make one up, and he, he makes up numbers stalling for time while he looks up and sees a portrait of Thomas Jefferson and says, 
you know, I can't remember what the exact numbers were, but like 7626 Jefferson as his address. Uh, and so, of course, Mrs. Klein is very suspicious because there is no 7626 Jefferson. It doesn't exist. And Alex has to help him yet again. He's helped him with his van. He's helped him, you know, get on his feet with coaching. Uh, so he has to help him yet again. His dad happens to be a real estate agent and manages to let Lamont sublet an apartment in a condo complex that he's, he's building uh, and use that as his address. And they have this elaborate ruse to fool Mrs. Klein, which I thought was mean because she's, you know, she's decent. She's not a mean woman. She would probably understand, right? But of all the of all the characters in this movie, she is my least favorite. She <laughs> is just annoying. <laughs> I don't think Jewish uh, Hebrew day school principals are really like that. I don't yeah, know. I agree. I found her the least believable character. Yes. Well, she's a stereotype, right? I mean, she's the she's the stern principal who doesn't like fun that you see in almost every high school movie. Usually, the vice principal. Yeah, yeah. and, and that's essentially her role in the movie. So is you know because she's like the assistant to the rabbi essentially. Yeah, she she's definitely a stereotype character. In fact, it, it, it's good to mention most of the characters are stereotypes. True. Right. I mean, Al, Alex's mom being you know wanting him to be a doctor and focus on something you know basically not follow his dreams but focus on something practical. You know, that's that's a stereotypical character for a, uh, a school. <laughs> no, well, not just a Jewish mom, but like for any school movie, you know what I'm saying? Well, like but, any- but they rounded her out a little bit. Um, you know, they gave her a foible, right? She can't cook at all. You know, but that's she, true. <laughs> well, for me. <laughs> well, but but my point is, like, if she was truly a completely stereotypical Jewish mother, you know, she would be superwoman doctor and then gourmet cook when she got home. And, that's true. You know, they, they gave her some balance. Yes, they did. They did. Well, and, and to be fair, like, they do that in most movies of this type, right? I, I'm just saying, like, for a... Uh, it's not necessarily high school, but for a, a school movie, you typically have a mom or a dad or a dad. It could be that wants the kid to focus on something practical. You have this, like Todd said, either vice principal or principal, some sort of administrator who you know just doesn't like fun. But at the very end of the movie, you see them dancing along with everybody else. Uh, so they're the, the kid who's trying to follow his dream and you know has to overcome his academics or you know all these other things at the same time. Yeah, so there there are a lot of stereotypical characters in the movie, um, but that that's sort of to be expected from a Disney Channel movie, you know, because they they have to rely on like Todd was saying, it's a ninety minute movie. They got to get you in, get you out, um, and you need to be familiar with some of the things. So they do use stereo, even like the High School Musical movies did that same thing and some of the other some some of the really great disney channel movies do that sort of thing but um it's just it's noticeable but it's not it, it's not bothersome is the way i would put it except you guys were bothered by mrs klein it sounds like yeah a little bit yeah but so with the, with the housing situation resolved um everything is seems like it's going great uh up until the point where Lamont actually does sign a contract with the 76ers, right? He signs a 10-day contract with them and accepts the job with the Sixers, which means that he's not going to be able to coach the Lions in the Liberty Tournament. Uh, and he breaks this news to them uh, as they are getting ready to, to go to the tournament. It's only, what, I think two days, they said, before the tournament? Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. 
The tournament so, goes very quickly. You know how you know? Because like, they light the candle for the first night of Hanukkah, and then they light the candle for the seventh night of Hanukkah. <laughs> so you know there's a window of opportunity there of about six or seven days. So, you know, right. depending how it all times out. So Yeah, there's a nice montage. We, we, of course, in any sports film, you have to have the montage. And, and that's what the tournament is because it's Alex who has to lead. Oh, and I apologize. We, we did skip over the fact that Alex did indeed uh, neglect his studies because Lamont had to kick him off the team temporarily because he did not get a good grade in history. Yes. Yes. So, so Alex's mom was right, I'm just saying. But <laughs> – but Coach gets credit for dealing with it appropriately, too. This is true. I agree with that. I also want to say that we don't get one montage. We get a double montage. Because yes. we, get, we get the Dark Times montage, the low point montage, <laughs> right? And, at the, and then we get the game montage. That's right. Yeah, there's the montage of, like, Lamont just staring at the the picture of his family that his son drew for him. There's Alex just staring. Like, it's a big staring montage. <laughs> Everybody's staring at things, which I enjoy. Nothing like a good staring montage to, to set, like you said, Todd, the dark tone. You know, it's the dark times. One thing I like is that um, the way Alex keeps going back to the rabbi for advice, because I used to actually use the my rabbi that way when I was growing up, so. That is nice to see. Yeah. So I, I, I have to ask the question, is, it, is that typical or, or no? It depends on the person. I mean, I, I was coming from a divorced home, so I didn't always have my father available to me, so that was kind of yeah. sort of why I did it. It depends on the rabbi. It, it definitely depends on the rabbi. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Gotcha. Well, okay. And 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 every individual is going to have a different relationship. So some are more, you know, going to be closer than others. I think it's more common with a rabbi that runs a school. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, like you said, Todd, we then get back to the the basketball montage, uh, where apparently the tournament takes place uh, with seven hundred games in one day before the final game the next day. Is what I gathered from the montage. I, I got the same feeling because, like I said, I think they light the seventh night of Hanukkah and they have the playoffs, and then they light the eighth candle and they have the final game. So really all those games could have only happened in one day. Yeah, which is weird because I don't think, like, per high school or, or you know, inner, inner school athletic rules, you could actually do that, but whatever. Because they uh, win, what, three games in one day? It was 16 teams, right? Single elimination. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So it'd be. Is it so three they'd need three. three. Yeah. yeah three, three games. games. But I, I I never did three in one day. But but playing JCC travel ball, uh, it was common to do two games in one day on the first day of the tournament. Um, oh, okay. Partially because with Jewish Community Center travel basketball, you'd travel, you'd start on Thursday, and then you had to to stop playing at sundown Friday. And you couldn't start yeah. again until Saturday afternoon. Good point. Also, Good point. Um, right. Also, um, from my understanding, these days it's um, many of the many of the face are playing um, because of because of guess you know how many teams are play, how many Jewish schools there are these days compared to back when there um, longer ago. Um, is that many many schools are playing with all the faiths? So. Theoretically, the Jewish school would be playing um, Saturday night, Sunday, 
and they could so they they could theoretically have Catholic teams playing Friday Saturday. Right. That's true. Yep. Yep. Uh, but so the Lions managed to get through the first three games. We're assuming. Uh, without Lamont around, right? It's Alex basically coaching the team, and of course, quote unquote, Coach Sipowitz uh, <laughs> is back on the bench, uh, providing his usual uh, mode of encouragement, which is to say, not much. He like but, kind of fist pumps Alex, so this is true. This is true. He does do that, <laughs> for what it's worth. <laughs> Uh, but it's between the getting into the last game and the next day when the game is, is when most of the real character moments take place. Because it's at that point where Alex manages to convince his mother that his dream of playing pro basketball is, yes, a dream, but why shouldn't he at least go ahead and pursue it until it's taken away from him, right? And, and the point he tries to make to his mom is like, you're trying to take it away from me before I can even give it a shot. Which that finally sinks in with her, right? Because she's been fighting him about basketball the entire movie. Uh, and it finally sinks into her that he's right. You know, she should let him at least give it a shot before, you know, she pulls the rug out from underneath him. Take that, mom. <laughs> I, I did like that scene. I, I, you know, as a mom of, of, of boys, it, it was a nice scene. I, I enjoyed that. And Lamont, of course, who's, who's absent, uh, is trying to get to the airport because as in his staring moment, he apparently has decided that he needs to go um, and find his family. And as he's trying to get to the airport, his van has broken down yet again. And it's Alex's mom who actually intervenes, and the van miraculously starts. <laughs> Interesting, huh? It is. It was meant to be. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and she actually picks, uh, goes to find him at 76ers game, and she actually talks to an opposing player, and she says, you know, I have a 5'4 son who's interested in playing pro basketball. Um, do you think he has a chance? And the guy says, sign that kid up because he dreams big, which I thought <laughs> was kind of cute. That was a nice touch. Yeah. That's what Disney touched because you know that's what you know that's what it's all about is dreaming big. That's exactly that's right. right. That's right. All right, so we get to the 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 climax of the film, which is the final game of the tournament, and of course it is the Lions playing the Warriors. And it's uh, raining. And it's it's a very stormy, very nasty night. Uh, the Lions come out and do the the worst dance routine I think I've ever seen. <laughs> okay, um, but can I say can I say I. Personally, I, I really appreciated that. Um, one of the things that my JCC travel team used to do that used to really annoy opposing teams is, you know, everybody kind of you know likes to warm up or sometimes they'll have warm-up music going on. And because we originally had a coach who kind of let us coach ourselves, um, we tended to warm up to various Prince uh, albums. And we used to get a big kick out of the look on opposing teams' faces when we did it. So, you know, when it came tournament time, we liked to warm up to things like, uh, you know, uh, let's see, what, what was the one of the really obnoxious uh, early Prince albums? Um, 
and the point was that you know we i i it gave me a a flashback moment to you know running layup lines while opposing coaches were just kind of looking at us with their mouths agape like they're really going to do that <laughs> that's great <laughs> no i did i did appreciate the dance in its badness <laughs> Like I appreciated in that, like they did. It, there was no pretense of it being like highly coordinated Kenny Ortega style. You know what I'm saying? Like it was, it was meant to be what it was, which I thought was cool. Yeah, well, it took enough to get them to be coordinated at basketball. It's not like he gave them dance lessons. That's absolutely right. Though that was one sports movie thing missing from this film was giving sports guys dance lessons. Sorry. That's true. <laughs> it's true. Like the football players always have to do ballet. Exactly. Yep. The, the yep. closest we got to it was playing music during their agility drills. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yep. When he gave them all a part of the body kind of thing yeah. of the team, yeah. Yeah. So they start playing the game, and the Warriors Warriors get ahead. Um, the Lions are trying to rally. You know, they're, they're hanging in there, but they're still behind. And the power gets knocked out. So everybody sort of rushes outside to see what's going on, and there's a generator outside the school that's using um, some fuel to keep the lights on, right? It's an emergency generator, basically. Um, and the generator is running out of fuel. And they have to – they basically come to the agreement that they will play until the generator runs out of fuel, and whoever's ahead at that time wins the game. The Warriors coach, you know, reiterates that, like, right? Whoever's ahead at that time wins the game, no matter what happens, right? Everybody agrees on it, and they go back in the gym. This is this is a, a parallelism moment with the, yes. the, the, the Maccabee story. Yes. Absolutely. Which doesn't ruin it, right? Because you because if you if you watch the movie the whole way through, you know what's gonna happen. Uh, but it's it does it, it makes you wonder how they will pull it off was was kind of where I went with it you know what I mean yeah yes. they, yeah because they say there's only so much time left in, for the playing and there's way more time left on the clock than there is yeah that's that's the whole thing that goes on yeah that was the way that, that Coach Sipowicz redeemed himself was he actually uh, figured out calculated using, <laughs> yeah on the slide rule. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I, I liked him shaking the sl the slide rule under the guy's nose there, trying to show him, you know, the yes. number on the slide rule tells you. Yes. It's absolute. <laughs> That's right. There's, there's no way the slide rule could have been wrong. <laughs> Not in any way, shape, or form. Uh, but, yes, he figures out how much time is left in this. So they start playing the game, and they're they're going back and forth, but – the Warriors are ahead by 10, and then the fuel in the generator is running out. And Mr. Sipowicz says there's only, you know, 10, there's only a minute left, and the Warriors call a timeout, basically to run the clock out. And so the, the Lions feel like they're defeated, and, you know, the game is over. And all of a sudden, the lights come back on, and there's Lamont standing in the other end of the gym. Yes. Yep. Okay, can I just say that... The the way they handled the lighting when he walked into the gym, to me, felt just a tad over the top. Did you notice that? Um, yes, especially at the very end when they go natural style with the scoreboard. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. The the flickering of the lights and the, 
the sudden appearance of, of a halo behind Lamont. Yes, I believe it was a little over the top. <laughs> but it's, it, you know, it, it it's over the top in that, like, it, in that good, cheesy Disney Channel movie kind of way. You know what I mean? Like, you have to accept sure. these Disney Channel movies for what they are. They're not intended to be, you know, high art, Oscar-winning films. They're intended to be fun family entertainment, and it's for that, it's it, that's exactly what you would expect. Yes, definitely. Yeah. So Lamont shows up, and he he comes back, and they're they, you know they question him what's going on and everything. Um, it turns out you know that Alex's mom had brought him back, and so they finished the game, uh, knowing that the fuel in the generator is going to run out. Alex goes back onto the court, and miraculously. The generator keeps working until the end of the game clock. And as the game is ending, they, the, the Lions make a furious comeback under Lamont's leadership. And as the game is ending, Alex has the ball and needs to shoot in order to give them the win. But for the first time, he actually passes. Passes to somebody else who makes the shot, and it rolls around the rim for about five and a half hours. <laughs> still rolling. Yeah. Yeah. It, this movie was made in 2003. I believe the ball is actually still rolling. <laughs> and the scoreboard explodes. And I, I don't mean that in a figurative way. It literally explodes. And the ball finally goes through just in time for the lights to go out and the, the Lions to win. It's a miracle. <laughs> a full court miracle, if you will. I'm not a miracle. There you go. It's all kinds of miracles wrapped into one, is yes. what we're saying here. Indeed. Yep. And right as everybody's celebrating, Lamont's wife and son enter the gym, and Lamont reveals that he's planning to stay and become the full-time coach for the Lions. Uh, Alex's mother is on board, and, and everybody lives happily ever after, uh, while Rabbi Lewis tells about how Hanukkah relates to what they have just gone through with the basketball game. Yes, and they light the eight-night the the nine candles the eight nights eight nights and one right that's right and everybody gets a happy ending except for the warriors which I feel is you know they got denied but that's okay <laughs> they tried to win with a timeout though come on yeah hey they were just playing the rules man I'm just saying <laughs> yeah see I might have felt bad for them had it not been for the fact that they did you know start off being a little obnoxious and then, you know, drove it on home by trying to run out the clock with a timeout because I, I can't think of a more obnoxious final move. Yes, I agree. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, so I, all kidding aside, Cheryl really has been telling me that this was a good movie for, for two years and that she, she really loves it. Um, and I went into it I will be completely honest, not expecting much. Because I believe Cheryl also told me that we needed to watch Beverly Hills Trollic too. <laughs> <laughs> so what you're saying is our hit count is 50%. <laughs> <laughs> I, I haven't said what I was going to rate the movie, but, but I, wasn't, I, was, I was definitely pleasantly surprised. Um, yeah. there, it, it is what it is, right? Like I've been saying, it's a Disney Channel movie. It is, 
it's fun, wholesome family entertainment, which is what you expect from Disney. It's not meant to be, you know, an Oscar winning film or dazzle you with special effects or, you know, uh, anything of that nature. It's, it's just fun and an enjoyable way to pass some time. It's also got no Star Wars or Avengers references. Yeah, I looked really oh. hard this time. I'm so disappointed. Oh my gosh! <laughs> but that's okay because we have the dumb Disney owned Star Wars reference. That's right. We can always yeah. go with Disney owned. Exactly. I, I, I want more <laughs> meaningful Star Wars connections. <laughs> <laughs> can I say the guy who plays a rabbi does a really good job playing a rabbi? He, he was great. He was he was really my favorite character. I mean, they could they could have totally typecast it. They could have like gotten Adam Sandler's father or, or someone else. You know, they could have gone. I'm sure they could have asked like a ton of celebrities. You know. Oh, Ben Stiller! Come on, he's already been a rabbi on a in a movie, right? <laughs> yeah, but they so they could have asked a few people. Yeah, and yeah, you know, so they they pulled this guy out of nowhere, and he's you know, doesn't do this type of movie is really, you know, interesting. Yeah, he was great. All right. So uh, anything else anyone wants to say? Or should we go on and rate this sucker? All right. So I think it's only fitting that Cheryl goes first since uh, this was this was her baby and she's been wanting to talk about this for for 24 months now. So, so Cheryl, I want to know what you think of Full Court Miracle. <laughs> I love this movie. It's a five in my book. I think Disney should make more Hanukkah movies, one every year. They should make more menorahs, because, heck, I have to buy one for, if I want to buy one now on eBay, a hundred bucks, people. Ugh. Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> um, the one I showed you the other day on Trace was 50 bucks on eBay. Oh, my gosh. The basketball side part, I don't know. How that how well that was. I did I did read that Lamont did um, coach, coach, coach the character, coach the people filming the movie. So um, I thought that was interesting. Oh, that's cool. Um, oh, I, yeah, I didn't read that. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. I so um, I so I really so, but I really think the story does tell the story of Hanukkah. Really, you know, again, something that. Anyone could go grasp, and you don't really go too much into. It's not like the Ten Commandments or the story of Passover, where you have to worry about a ton of extra stuff. Yep. <laughs> it's just you know, it's a basic, small, compact story. I would like. I obviously, I would like Disney to see do other movies. That would be great. But I, I also have a plot for a movie, but I can't discuss that. <laughs> That's right. So keep that to yourself. Yes. Don't let Disney see yeah. it. All right. All right, Teresa, what do you think? Uh, I also love this movie. Um, I probably would give it a four and a half out of five. It, you know, it's not perfect, but oh my gosh, I can't tell you how shocked and so happy I was back in 2003 when this came out. Um, so that you know, my boys could sit down and watch a Hanukkah movie on the Disney Channel. It made us feel so uh, included, and and uh, you know, the holiday season it, you were so overrun. And I and I love all the Christmas specials and all you know everything I grew up with. You know, Charlie Brown, 
all of that stuff. But to have um, something that we could sit down as a family and watch our holiday represented that wasn't Adam Sandler <laughs> uh, <laughs> is it, it's just a beautiful story, and I absolutely love it. And I thank Disney, and I, I do agree with Cheryl. They should make more um, nice stories like that. Fair enough. All right, Aaron, what'd you think? Well, I, I got to say, first of all, thank you, Cheryl, for thinking of me and, and you guys for having me on to do this because I wouldn't have seen this movie otherwise. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I might not have seen it otherwise. It just wasn't on my radar in 2003. And um, it, it got me to watch the film. And, you know, I might have been reluctant otherwise because to me, this is the kind of movie that, you know, starts out sort of with, with nervousness on lots of fronts, right? I mean, it's easy to mess up the Jewish references in ways that really annoy me. Um, it's easy to mess up filming basketball scenes, especially with kids. Um, and it's really easy to mess up the, you know, relationship between um, a, a kid and a rabbi and, and that piece in ways that that would really annoy me personally and instead it i felt really handled all of those issues remarkably well um i was impressed with the way they shot basketball scenes with kids uh a lot of times those are really stilted and and poorly done and you can't imagine how those kids could ever actually be playing basketball there was no question i mean these kids they weren't the best players in the world but you could accept them based on what you could see on the screen and they just handled those relationships really well. I was very impressed. I'll be watching again. I'll have my kids watch it. Um, it wasn't perfect. Some of the dialogue, like we'd said, you know, it's clearly written by adults, but but at least it's on point. Um, I'm going to give it a, a four and a half, uh, mostly because it's the kind of movie that I can see myself very easily rewatching and sharing with my kids and, you know, watching over and over again. Uh, I would say it's definitely on the list for uh, movie night during Hanukkah. All right. Todd, what'd you think? I was just thinking, what do you watch? So you watch Adam Sandler one night, and what do you watch the other six nights? <laughs> you watch Handyman. Handyman has a couple, has, has two Hanukkah specials. Oh, Handyman specials. has a Hanukkah episode. Oh, that's right. And Phineas and Ferb, a Hanukkah spe- special as well. Oh. The episode about Hanukkah, so you could do that. All right, so that's still four nights, so four more nights. <laughs> It, it's not Disney, but there's a Rugrats one. Kim Possible. Oh yes. Kim Possible has one. Oh, and um, even Stevens. I think has uh, a Hanukkah. So, so one short, right? One short. Figure it out. All right. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> I was, I was just wondering. I'm trying to count that out there. Oh, so my turn to rate. Um, so yeah, I find this really you know enjoyable. I've watched it a ton of times because you know Cheryl has watched it a ton of times, which generally means I end up watching it a ton of times. Um, it, you know, it's not a perfect movie to me, but it's it's a really good Hanukkah holiday movie for sure. You know, because it gets the message across and it gets you know it does what it sets out to do, which are two things that I think is are important in any movie. And so I do believe that it accomplishes that. Um, you know, for me, I don't know. I'm not as excited about it, but I'm, you know, I'm I'm in the three and a half range for it. I think. Fair enough. I mean, I I would have to be with you on that. Like, I I would I would give it a three in 
because just because as a as a movie, not having the attachment to Hanukkah, um, and I can completely understand where you guys are coming from on that. Um, which is why I will be rating some of the uh, the Christmas films way too high for for what they're supposed to be, just because I'm a, I'm a Christmas fanatic. Um, it as a as just a general movie, it's definitely enjoyable, and no matter if you celebrate Hanukkah, you don't. I think if you if you have the time and and energy to seek it out, it's definitely worth your while um, because it's it's just like I said, it's fun, it's wholesome family entertainment. But I'd, I'd have to give it the three because you know. Um, the actor, and I, I pardon me, forget his name, who plays uh, Lamont Carr. I think he actually took a nap through the most of the movie. He, he doesn't really show much emotion one way or another. Um, Alex, I think, does a great job throughout the whole film, but most of the rest of the characters, like I said, are, are pretty stereotypical, and it's not something where I would look at it and go, "Oh, wow, this is somebody that you know you're going to see more of" or anything like that. Uh, on, on any level, like this, the script is fairly, like I said, it's fairly predictable. Um, it's a nice idea. I like the idea of taking the story of Judah and the Maccabees and, and, and using it in this way. Um, but doing that, if you're going to do that, you know how the story ends. And as we've said here before, part of when you, when you know how the story ends, you got to make the journey particularly interesting. And while what the interesting part of this to me is more like what's going on with the kids than it is, you know, what's happening in the story or anything like that. So I, while I enjoyed it, I don't, I wouldn't give it a four or a five. But anybody who who has doubts about it, I say they they, they should definitely go check it out. Yep. Oh, I did find one more Hanukkah episode that we could watch. Is Special Agent Oso had also a Hanukkah. There you go. <laughs> nice to know. All right, so your Hanukkah viewing uh, is, is being set up. Miss Miss Perlmutter and and the crew here have uh, have determined what you need to be checking out. All right, so if you have seen Full Court Miracle or enjoyed it, or if you haven't and you just enjoyed listening to the show, uh, let us know over at DisneyFilmProject.com, and you can go there and see the show notes for this show as well as see some of our other shows and the reviews and all the good stuff there. You can also find us on Facebook. Disney Film Project is listed there, and you can follow us on Twitter, at DizFilmProject, and you can let us know what you think of the show when it comes out. So I want to thank Aaron and Teresa for joining us. Thanks again, guys. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. Yeah. And until next week, we will see you later. It's like my mother said, if you knew everything, if you understood everything God did, you'd be God. Don't put yourselves in a box, ever. It's not the size of our army, it's the strength of our faith. What's on your mind besides the yarmulke? I feel like I filled the fish out of water. <laughs> <laughs>